0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awana. Our kids are in a faith crisis and need your help now. We need your best gift to reach even more kids with the gospel and further child discipleship both in the U.S. and around the globe. Awana works even in the face of aggressive secularism, and the time to give is now. Give today at awana.org slash lastingfaith. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Oana. I'm Ross. And thank you for listening. If this is your first episode, you have picked a great time to jump in because today we are starting a series of conversations all about student and youth discipleship. Our first guest is Kara Powell, the Executive Director of the Fuller Youth Institute. Kara has served in youth discipleship throughout her career and is the perfect guest to get this started. Her latest book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, is available. You can find more information about it in the show notes. And if I do say so myself, it makes a great Christmas gift. I was able to sit down with Kara and Matt Markins, and I'm really excited for y'all to hear this one. So, Kara starts this conversation discussing what has changed about discipleship between this book and a book that may have introduced you to Kara Powell, Sticky Faith, which came out in 2011. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast.
1: Well, I think what's interesting is I would say the core discipleship essentials, so to speak, are pretty constant. You know, the way that we've tried to look at that at the Full Youth Institute is it's about that uh, empowered leader, that youth pastor, parachurch leader, small group leader who's mobilizing caring Christian adults. So that's family and that's mentors. Uh, to focus on what we think are young people's three biggest questions, identity, belonging, and purpose. So, you know, I would say that I I don't want to use the word timeless because, you know, we researchers, we don't like using that word, but at least, you know, if you compare 2011 to 2021, certainly those elements were, I would say, equally important. But what they look like is a little bit different. Um, And I would say students' openness and receptivity can be a little bit different too. So, uh, you know, just let's just look at the pandemic, for instance, uh, Springtide Research Institute has just released some really important research about uh, young people in the U.S., teenagers in the U.S. saying a couple things. Number one, uh, when it comes to teenagers in the U.S., uh, only 10 percent of teenagers across the board from any faith background or community, only 10 percent heard from a faith leader during the pandemic. Like that's appalling Mm. that only 10% of teenagers in the U S heard from someone connected with a church or a faith community. That's the bad news. Here's the good news that in the same study, 70% of teenagers said that they are now more open, interested and appreciative of meaningful relationships. So, you know, this is an example where I'd say the discipleship essentials are very constant. I think young people have a unique and divine openness right now to a relationship with adults coming out of the pandemic when they were lonely, disconnected, isolated, they now want community. And so I think this is a really important opportunity for any adult, uh, parent, pastor, mentor, step-parent, grandparent who wants to be even more intentional with young people.
0: I love that. There's so much to unpack there, but we'll save some of that. Matt, from my perspective, there has been a shift uh, in the conversation and maybe the awareness of the importance of child discipleship. But you've been around this world much longer than I have. What has changed from 2011 to now in terms of child discipleship?
2: Well, your know, sticky faith, as Kara said, being published in 2011, uh, the iPhone was relatively new at that point. Uh, we were still Uh, And we still are today figuring out how to use this technology, how to help our young people, not only students, but children uh, use uh, mobile technology. So I think we're now seeing a generation that has uh, been completely immersed in only knowing that world. And we ourselves as parents and uh, faith leaders and church leaders, we're, we're grappling with how to help. Uh, our kids navigate that. But I think we're starting to see as we're seeing some of the major headlines with Facebook and Instagram, uh, the social and socio-emotional impact of the different world that we've now woken up in. Mm. So I, w- I would assume that's a probably a major change uh, since then. <laughs> um, but I, what I like about one thing I really love about what Kara was just saying is just for, for young people to have an openness to a relationship with a loving, caring adult Completely lines up with some of the work uh, that we're that we're we're doing with the Barna Group. We just uh, won't it won't release until what is it? our April twenty twenty two. But yep. it lines up with the smaller percentage of children that do have a relationship in the church with loving caring adults. They're so they're they're growing in their faith mm. at a much more rapid and robust rate. So mm. yeah, there's probably a lot that's changed environmentally. Um, but that constant of the presence of a loving, caring adult is probably going to always be the same.
0: Yeah, that's great. Now, Kara, for this book, three questions that change every teenager, you use a phrase that I love where you call them a walking bundle of questions. And I'm sure every youth leader who is listening to this is saying, yep, that sounds like the kids in my community. Um, First of all, congratulations on the success of this book. It's clearly already making an impact. But walk folks through how this book came together, particularly around the three questions of belonging, identity, and purpose. Yeah,
1: excellent. Well, I'm glad you just named them there, Ross. Um, uh, That's really helpful framing. So yeah, young people are these awesome uh, walking bundles of questions. And yet my heart is broken by what we heard from one 15 year old. And I think that just represents so many who said, I wish the church would stop answering questions. I'm not asking. Wow, that was like his drop the mic moment. I wish the church would stop answering questions I'm not asking and fill in other nouns there. I wish my family, I wish my small group, I wish my Sunday school class, et cetera. And so, what we at the Full Youth Institute and myself and my co author, Brad Griffin, we worked with our team to figure out okay, what are the questions young people are asking? I'm glad, Matt, you pointed to technology. So many questions about technology these days questions about mental health, questions about friendship, et cetera. And those are all important questions. What we wanted to do in the book is like, how do we get to the questions beneath the questions? Like the core questions that are, are simmering beneath some of what we see every day with young people. And so we looked at uh, surveys interviews with over 2000 teenagers. And then we did a deep dive interview with 27 very diverse teenagers in the US. Um, and we spent over six hours with each of them. And it, you, know, you asked about what's changed Ross. Here's another interesting thing that's changed is in the midst of everything else that happened in 2020, we crossed a line in the US census data where now 50% of those under 18 in the US are young people of color. And fifty percent are white. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that fascinating? and such amazing diversity we get to experience and celebrate here in our country. Yeah. And so with our research sample with the twenty seven teenagers we twenty twenty of them are young people of color, and seven were white teenagers because we really mm-hmm. wanted to to empathize and understand the full diversity uh, of amazing young people. And so it was out of that research that we realized, okay, here are the three big questions. And you name them, but I'll say it again. Identity, who am I? Belonging, where do I fit? And purpose, what difference can I make? So identity, belonging, and purpose. And I'll say, you know, for those of us over 30, those questions are real in our lives too. Like I still navigate with those questions myself. Uh, every, just day, that just every day, every day, exactly. <laughs> During this podcast, half hour from now, I mean, those are questions that we bump into too. Uh, it's just that for young people, uh, they're uh, for me, they're more at a low simmer. For young people, they're at a rolling boil. They're like these mm-hmm. constant pressing questions. Um, and so, as caring adults, it's so interesting. Both Matt and I have highlighted that as caring adults who want to, I love how Catholics say accompany. As we want to accompany young people in their journey of faith. Um, it's so helpful to be aware of these questions and be able to point young people to Jesus' best answers.
2: That's great. So as the let's look, let, before we leave this question, let's, let's go like one level down. How how should these insights of these three areas, belonging, identity and purpose, how should they transform how we do our youth ministry or even our middle school ministry?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I would say, here's what we're hearing from youth ministries who are using them. Um, they're trying to train their volunteers to think in terms of you know, young people are on this journey toward identity, belonging, and purpose. And so whatever's happening in a young person's life, take a step back and ask, well, what is it that they are seeking? Are they trying to figure out who they are, where they fit, or, or what what contribution they can make to the world? Um, and so I love it that mentors are, are getting better classes through which to view young people. And, and I'll just say, as a parent, I'm not leading a small group right now, but um, I have my own kids. And so many times, Matt and Ross, like w- if my if my kid is doing something that doesn't quite seem like them, um, that just feels a little off. And I say, I step back and go, okay, what are they after? What are they seeking? Oh, they're trying to find identity, belonging purpose. Just a couple of weeks ago, one of our kids hurt my feelings with the choice they made. Um, and it was about, prioritizing friends over me, quite honestly, um, as mom and, and, you know, I was wrestling with it and I was kind of stewing on it and I was getting hurt by it. And I thought, wait a second. Okay. What is, what is my kid after? They're after belonging. And so that's why they made this choice. It's not, it's not a negative toward me, it's just, they know they belong with me and at home and they're still making sure that they belong with their friends. And so, so I would say, first of all, it's a lens through which we can view young people have better conversations, et cetera. Um, secondly, we know a lot of ministries who are thinking about content through the lens of identity, belonging, and purpose, and how do we help young people experience, again, Jesus's best answers. And and we offer some possibilities for that in the book. So how do you overtly teach about that? So, so Matt, those are just a couple quick ways. Like they become the lenses through which we view young people and understand them more. And then we can also be overt with them, with, with kids about what, what they're seeking what what they're probably using now to try to answer those questions and how Jesus's answers satisfy in a way no, no others do
2: so care is it is it fair to say if i were a, a youth pastor and and if i'm after you know lasting faith with my students yeah is it fair that i would come to you and say hey care we're thinking about we've read your book we're thinking about really building our student ministry around how do we help these kids belong to this community yeah. how do we you know, form their identity in Jesus and give them purpose to live and walk in his ways and, and live on mission for Him. Like, is that, is that a fair, uh, uh yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and I mean, that would be a, a third way is some ministries are like making that their mission really orienting all their programming around it. Um, you know, Matt, since I love how you're drilling, okay, what does this actually mean? I'll tell you about a church in Chicago Uh, that was going through some of our training and thinking about identity, belonging, and purpose. And one of the things we encourage churches to do is to figure out what is it that your young people most need right now? Of those three questions, what are they most hungry for? So this was during the pandemic, this church that, uh, it's a large church, had a youth ministry of about 200 teenagers. Pandemic hits, they go on Zoom, drops to 100 teenagers, um, and so cut in 50%, which is true of a lot of churches in terms of, you know, weekly engagement. And so they took a step back and they said, okay, what is it that our young people are searching for? They spent time with young people. They interviewed young people. They tried to understand like, what are their losses and longings as my colleague, Scott Carmode would say, and they realized what young people, what their kids most wanted was belonging, belonging, which makes sense in the midst of the isolation of the pandemic. Right. And so this church said, okay, we're going to really lean into belonging. Uh, we've been doing small groups, but honestly, they're like 5% of our attention. In our youth ministry, we're going to make them 95% of what we focus on because of the, what our kids need. It's the pandemic, et cetera. Well, this church that had been 200 dropped to 100, it's now 400 teenagers who are involved in small groups because you know this church said, what is it that our young people need and, and how do we offer it? Just another quick example uh, here in Southern California, a youth leader was wrestling with these questions and realizing, you know, what her kids really were hungry for is purpose, being more involved. And so she said, I've been doing, I've been offering the ministry to teenagers and for teenagers. I want to change those prepositions. I want it to be done with and by teenagers, that they can use their gifts and experience purpose in the midst of. You know, what we're doing every week in our church. And so instead of, you know, ta da, kids showing up and here's this youth ministry, the teenagers were planning things. They were giving talks. They were helping lead worship. They started planning, uh, you know, service activities. Again, inst- instead of her saying, okay, you know, Saturday next month, here's what we're going to do, the students came up with the ideas and executed right. it. Um, and in fact, got to the point, I love this, this church they had a business meeting coming up and not only did teenagers show up to the church business meeting, they came with amendments they wanted to offer nice. because they had read the materials before. Uh, so and so, cool. you know, this wonderful youth leader, she realized young these young people want to be involved. So, so there's just a couple examples of, Belonging and purpose, which honestly are often what lead the way for teenagers these days.
2: I love this. If you're, if you're a baseball coach, you don't want your left fielder picking dandelions. You want your yeah. left fielder, like fully engaged. Like these students are are buying in because they've got a culture and a community that that's really built to help them grow. That's awesome. Totally.
0: totally. So One of the things that I appreciate the most about uh, Fuller and your work and your ministry um, is the different ways that people can, you are able to connect people wherever they're at. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm coming to this conversation where my oldest is five and three quarters, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking three at three
1: quarters moment. is important at that age, Ross, it's
0: extremely important,
1: very important. Um, yeah.
0: She would be mad if I don't, if I didn't say it and I can't have her mad at me. Um, but the, you guys are able to provide you in particular, your ministry is able to provide support to people no wherever that, and I'm so grateful to see that, you know, knowing what's coming down the pike for me in a few years. But you played a key role in launching a collaborative community called 10 by 10. Can you talk about that? What was the vision for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, we're still in a soft launch phase. So if people haven't heard of it, there's a very good reason because we've been keeping it very uh, underground. We're testing resources. So, uh, you know, you pointed out um, that there's this kind of 10 year progression. Well, if you look at what's happening now with young people, about a million young people a year are leaving the faith. According to really good research done by the Pine Tops Foundation and their Great Opportunity Report, and so that's kind of become a, a rallying cry for a lot of denominations, a lot of great organizations like Awana, uh, to say, okay, we want to work together and we want to see something different happen with young people. And so, how do we elevate these discipleship principles that we've talked about? So, uh, and and use the best resources from all of us who are in the field of youth ministry. And so, you know, we would take this from Awana and this from Young Life and this from the Methodists and this from the Southern Baptists and this from Barna and this from Fuller. How How do we curate all these amazing resources and make them available to youth leaders uh, providing online training and the support that we all need to change. So that's what 10 by 10 is. Um, like I said, we're still in a soft launch phase. We'll be going more public with it in 2022. But the, the we call it 10 by 10 because our goal is to help faith matter more for 10 million teenagers over the next 10 years in the spirit of John 10.10. Um, nice. You know where Jesus talks about the abundant life that He has for us, and I want that for every single young person. And so, you know, we're saying as ministries, we don't want to work apart. We want to we want to come together and 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 bring the best of our offerings, just like Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. We want to we want to bring the best of our offerings. So hardworking leaders have what they need.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Advent is marked by the hope of a fulfilled promise and yet the waiting of what is to come. It is a time for us to remember all that God has done and faithfully cling to the promise of what he will do. The Promise of a Savior is a free resource designed to equip you, parents, grandparents, and guardians, to lead intentional time and conversation around the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ. While this resource has been designed as a five-week devotional, each discipleship opportunity is distinct and stands on its own. Visit awana.org to receive this resource and join us today as we celebrate the advent of Jesus Christ, the promised
2: Savior, together. I say that you partner with churches and ministries to radically transform the way we disciple young people unpack what you mean by that, or is that what we have been talking about with these three areas that we need to It's really
1: on. what we, It's really what we've been talking about, Matt. It's, you know, the way that we define the strategy of 10 by 10, in fact, I, it, was, it was part of my talking points. I just didn't name it overtly, uh, or with, I think, Ross's very first question, nice. but it's about empowering leaders. So that hardworking, dedicated church, parachurch, youth leader, and we're focused on really middle school and high school ministry in 10 by 10. So empowering leaders to mobilize caring Christian adults. So that's family mentors to focus on identity, belonging, and purpose to help young people experience the best possible gospel-centered, biblically-rooted answers to those questions. Um, So that is the skeleton that we're using. I'll tell you, it's some interesting twists for us. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll share some of our blind spots initially is um, when it comes to that empowered leaders, one of the things that we didn't make as important earlier, but we are making more important now because of what leaders are telling us is their own faith development. Mm-hmm. How important their own, a leader's own discipleship and faith formation is. And I think we were aware of that assuming it, but we've realized, no, we need to make it more overt. And I, you know, I'd say that for everybody, everybody listening or watching Mm -hmm. is our discipleship. It starts with how we are abiding and how we are experiencing Jesus's best answers to our identity, belonging, and purpose questions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's both, it's both levels. It's both our young people and it's us. Um, and you know, just today I uh heard the news and and uh have been reaching out to my friend David Kinneman about a new Barna study. You mentioned Barna earlier that they just released today that 38 percent of pastors in the U.S. have seriously contemplated leaving ministry in the last year. 38 percent, um, in January it was 29 percent, which was already really high. Oh, wow! And now, with October data that they're releasing in November. Uh, it's, it's 38% so two out of five. Um, because I think pastors, I've had so many pastors say this is the toughest year they've ever had. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think we all the more need that abiding in Jesus. Uh, I was just reading a book by, um, rich Viotas, the deeply formed life, I believe it's mm-hmm. called that talked about, um, how we are living a life that our soul was not meant to live in terms of pace. Um, and, and I think we all feel that. And, and so that's part of what we're centering in 10 by 10 as it starts with our own relationship with Jesus, as we're in turn influencing young people.
0: It sounds like a really exciting opportunity. I would encourage people to check out the show notes, uh, where they can learn more about it. Um, because I think, you know, as a, as a young dad to this, I look at this of like, I'm going to need all the help I can get. So to, yeah. be, to be, be able to have a sense of community around these things is deeply important. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot the conversation a bit to this uh, sort of more into the current moment, like you were beginning, to, like you were beginning to unpack there, you know, uh, a dear friend of the ministry of family is a, his name is Sam Luce. He's a children's ministry leader. He's a thought leadership. He's a pastor out in uh, family pastor out in New York. Um, and Sam talks about this idea of, you know, entertainment, sort of hmm. Disney versus Fred Rogers. Sam yeah. if you're listening, I'm doing a terrible uh, summation of your points. I would highly encourage everybody to listen to previous episodes of the podcast where I impacts it further. But what I'm curious is, you know, we at to obviously spend our time laser focused on this how that entertainment versus discipleship is played out in child discipleship. Yeah. But I would imagine similar conversation in youth discipleship. How does that how does that uh, Disney versus Fred Rogers idea sit with you?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, we're not on the, I mean, it's probably even more true with teenagers than it is children's ministry. Like we're not going to compete when it comes to program, mm. uh, with what they can experience on TikTok or, uh, you know, Netflix or wherever they're YouTube, wherever they're looking for entertainment, like we're not going to compete. Um, now, that doesn't mean we need to be boring. I think I love what Jim Rayburn says, uh, the founder of Young Life said, it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel. So, you know, I think we want to, we want kids to experience, again, that abundant life of Jesus. But what I would say is it's more about relationship and depth and connecting heart to heart with a young person than it is entertaining them. Um, and, you know, it's about, it's not about information or entertainment. It's about transformation and that comes relationship to relationship, conversation to conversation, question to question, going to one of our themes of today. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I would, I would very much agree. Like I I want my kids to enjoy church and praise the Lord they do. Um, what I really want them is to have a great conversation relationship with their small group leaders and with their pastors and with their peers. Uh, And that's, that's the most important glue. And I would say service is part of that. Like the way that kids feel like they're not just spectators being entertained at church, but they're really doing church makes a difference. I mean, as we're looking ahead to Christmas, our, one of our college kids who's been very involved in video stuff at our church, especially during the pandemic. Now that she's coming back, she said to me last week, she's like, I think I'm gonna help out at church at Christmas. I'm gonna gonna do video again. I've already reached out to Steve who's in charge of video stuff. And I thought, that's awesome that we're a month ahead of Christmas and our 19 year old wants to dive back in and serve um, because our church gave her that sense of purpose. So again, belonging and purpose are so important for this generation of young people. And she's, if she had just sat back and been entertained, I think her attitude, quite honestly, about coming uh, to ch- back to church on Christmas might be a little different, but she feels like she's part of the church and part of the team uh, worshiping together.
2: That's beautiful. So. Kara, Youth Ministry, Children's Ministry, Youth Ministry, it's it's one it's one human who's going through these different phases. But, you know, this this system is kind of bifurcated in how we look at it or maybe even trifurcated, if that's even a word with middle school. Yeah. So let's talk about like, do student pastors help us understand the student pastors sit around and say, boy, if our kids ministry would only do X, Y, Z fill in the blank, it would be so much easier for us. So this human being who is the child, who's now becoming the middle school, student, high school, what, what do you, what would you as a thought leader and a researcher, what would you hope would have already happened that makes youth ministry uh, more fruitful and successful.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you're talking about this connection to children's ministry, Matt, because, um, you know, what I would, what I've said to youth leaders is we in youth ministry, we inherit the good, the bad, and the ugly of children's ministry. And there's a lot of good, I emphasized ugly in a way I didn't mean to, we, (laughs) we inherit the good, the great, uh, and the other parts of children's ministry. And so, you know, the the sharpest, most thoughtful leaders in churches I know are saying, okay, we need everybody to get on the same page. We need children's and youth ministry to be in communication, ideally coordinating, talking about theological messages, talking about schedule, talking about family, et cetera. Because not only does that human, you know, transition from children's ministry to middle school ministry. A large percentage of families have kids in both ministries, <laughs> you yeah. know, both childrens and students, and so you know, I am not only experience it with one person, one young person over time. As a parent, you experience it simultaneously. I
2: love what you're saying here. It's really you're really just saying we need you guys to communicate. We need to we need to communicate with each other. Yeah, uh, boy, it sounds an awful lot like any other key set of relationship, like marriage or you know, teams. So okay. I'm going to just, I want to just press a little further. So you, in a past conversation before you very humbly articulated, you know, you know, you're not a expert in child spiritual formation. Uh, You're certainly are in the youth space, but I I just want to ask you to go out on a limb. Like if you could give one piece of advice to the people in the kids ministry around, uh, you you know, consider this when you're thinking about discipling and forming that uh, child in the image of Jesus, what, what one piece of advice would you give? the kid's pastor related to the actual program and ministry of forming that child in the image of Jesus? Wow.
1: Great question, Matt. Um, so a lot of things come to mind, but I'll go with what came to mind first. Okay. And that is just the importance of partnering with and equipping parents that parents are so influential in a young person's faith formation and uh, I think pastors and small group leaders often lose sight of that, especially if they haven't parented the age group that they're overseeing or haven't parented at all. Uh, it's easy to view the, you know, the parent as the one, especially in children's ministry, who drives your kid, the kid there, checks them in, and then takes them away in 90 minutes um, and not understanding how much influence and, and primary influence. I mean, if you look at research best research shows that there is no, there is no factor more important in a young person's faith formation than their family. There just isn't. Um, And then, you know, I'll talk about my experience with teenagers, teenagers in our home and our kids. I mean, they've loved our youth ministry. They've been on worship team, student leadership team. We have events at our house. They're close to their small group leaders, et cetera. And what was interesting is, you know, when, when my, my son's girlfriend, uh, had her parents drive over to break up with him in ninth grade. And, you know, they stood outside of our house and broke up. Um, it wasn't the small group leader he walked in our to our house and talked to. It was me and Dave. Mm. Uh, when one of our girls was being really hurt by other girls at the church to the point that she didn't want to go to church and she was crying in her room just because she felt like people were being mean to her. Uh, this was in maybe fifth or sixth grade. Like it, it wasn't the small group leader she was talking to, it was, it was me and Dave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I've come to realize is as e- even the most involved kid, even the most involved kid, that awesome pastor or small group leader sees maybe 20 to 30% of what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the parent is seeing more. And so mm-hmm. I need to be equipped to know, you know, how do I respond when my son walks in having just had his first girlfriend break up with him. How do I respond when my fifth or sixth grade daughter doesn't want to go to church because she's experiencing or feels like she's experiencing some meanness from other girls, um, let alone, you know, how do I respond in, in, in more intense crises? How do I navigate everything that's happening in our world? How do I form my kids faith during the pandemic when we're not able to go to church and experience church in the same way? I mean, these are parents questions. And so mm-hmm. You know, I, I think most ministries need to take what they're doing for families and like double or triple it, <laughs> uh, for it to really have the impact that it can and should have on young people.
0: Yeah. There has to be a shift here, right? Because yeah. people who listen to this, um, they have this experience of already feeling overwhelmed. Right. Oh, right. For and, I'm, sure. and I want to highlight that, you know, when Kara's is saying double or triple, uh, she's not suggesting that you're doing <laughs> one third of the work, Yeah, them. right, right, right,
1: right. right? right there's right, a
0: prioritization right. here because I think, totally. you know, as a guy who gets, who talks into a microphone for a living, yeah, I think there's, um, there's too many words about yeah. this, right? Yeah. And we can often operate in this sort of like messaging high thought level, but the execution of equipping parents is critically important, especially yeah. for the leader who might be in a healthier discipleship environment themselves, like you alluded to earlier, than the parents who are just treating the church like childcare. True. For the concerned leader who's listening to this, the leader who's like, I want to do this, but I am at the end of my rope. How do we begin to move from messaging to equipping? Because those parents, parents like me, need all the help they can get, but that can't all just be a to-do list item for the leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll actually go back to identity, belonging, and purpose. Nice. Because again, we're all wrestling with these questions and I wrestle with them a lot as a parent. Uh, in fact, that's one of the, the playgrounds through which God forms me the most, honestly, is in parenting. Um, in all I don't know, uh, in my struggles, in my failures, it, it is definitely the area of my life where I am the most insecure and I think a lot of parents feel that way. And so parenting brings up questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. And so what I would say uh, to a leader, and if I could go back and, and redo my time in ministry, I would do a lot more of this, is just like I, we were talking about earlier with young people, like listening to what they're wrestling with, with identity, belonging, and purpose, doing the same with parents. Like what, what's keeping them up at night? Where do they feel over their heads? You know, where do they really feel like they're struggling or failing as a parent? Um, and as well as what they're doing really well? And let's celebrate that. and then and then respond with resources that help. So you know, Matt, I'm so glad you brought up technology earlier. So if a lot of parents really struggle with technology, Especially, you know that that parent of that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grader. I mean, you know, really kind of a lot of <laughs> us. Um, yeah. And and so, how do we resource parents when it comes to technology, mental health? Um, you know, again, probably from sixth, sixth grade on up, um, there are whole, so many questions and really good concerns parents have about stress and anxiety and and even suicide with their kids that we need to be asking. And so, uh, you know, instead of, the good news is we don't have to guess as leaders. We can ask parents, what are you wrestling with? And then resource them strategically based on, you know, what is it that they're scratching their heads about or that's keeping them up at
0: night? The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening.